You're listening to the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT podcast. I'm your host and curator, Rabbi Aprom Kipolevich, and I hope you enjoy this episode. This is To Stir With Love with Rabbi Yitzchak Kolakowski, Chief Chaplain at Waymart Prison in Waymart, Pennsylvania. Um, Yitzchak, I know that um, uh, one of the days that was very important to you, uh, Memorial Day, has passed. And uh, I think that we've spoken privately, of course, about how, how important that is. Uh, but I know that right now you really don't have much time um, to contemplate even something so important because with the COVID restrictions being loosened, uh, the prison, uh, your prison, and perhaps prisons all over uh, the United States are changing and going back to uh, the way things were before, but not exactly. I understand that in Waymart, I know I'm not telling tales here, that in order to sort of protect themselves from a new pandemic that might arrive, because who knows, they probably, you know, uh, it could happen. So now the prison is being going to be separated into different zones. And this way, if indeed a pandemic, um, not a pandemic, if, a, if an infectious disease does start to spread, you'll be easily able to lock down uh, that section where it's happening. And this way, the rest, the other zones of the prison will be able to function. Unlike what happened to us last year, that once the pandemic hit, it spread like wildfire through all the uh, inmates. And basically the prison ended up sort of in a lockdown state. So I think that uh, this is obviously meant for you um, quite a bit more work, right? You're doing a lot more work now trying to, to, to get things post-COVID, correct? Yeah, and I have to learn how to do my job again. It's, uh, <laughs> you know, I, my job changed so much that it was, it was like a different job. And now, now it's, but it's, it's like riding a bike, but I, you know, you don't forget it that easily, but there was you know, a lot of paperwork and things that being a supervisor, I have to, you know, do a lot of paper pushing, which I enjoy. I'm not complaining about it, but it, I wasn't doing that because, you know, we weren't, we didn't have all of our staff, you know, that I had to make sure got paid because they weren't working. So there was, there was nothing to pay them for. And now, going back to using the same you know papers that we had before and things like that right but, but but also within the new context of the way things are going to work right you're going to have to uh in a way um uh the and i, I assume correct me if i'm wrong that these four sections are going to be split pretty uniformly it's not like you know there's like a little bit of everybody in each section correct well, there's certain, it's certainly not going to be divided by religion. There's, there's no, there's no, it's not like uh, Otisville and, or, or Fort Dix in the federal system where this is the Jewish prison. And, you know, the assumption would be when, if you hired a rabbi as the, uh, as the chaplaincy program director in a prison, it would make sense to send all the Jews there. But that, yeah. that's not what happened in, in the Pennsylvania DOC that doesn't operate like the, like the federal, uh, your prisons, but uh, Baruch Hashem, we don't really have a lot of really. Uh, As really we've said, you don't you don't have that many Jews. But I'm saying yeah. the point is, though, it's going to be a mix. Each it, section is going to be a potpourri, so to speak. Of and it, it's a tremendous challenge because, on one hand, our the way that's decided how many chaplains and how many hours we have to have chaplains serving in the prison 
is based on, according to the American Association of Correctional, uh, is that it's based on the population and as well as the special needs of the prison. So Waymart being a special needs prison does have more chaplain hours per inmate uh, as opposed to others. So most, I think the standard for the American Correctional Association is 500 hours per, 500 inmates per hour of uh, per full time per chaplain, meaning a chaplain would be 40 hours or 37 and a half hours plus breaks, which is 40 hours. That for every 500 inmates, you should have one chaplain. That's the standard for the American Correctional Association to uh, to approve a a chaplaincy program in a in a prison. But if it's a special needs prison, which Waymart is then it's per 400 inmates. So we do get more hours recommended and required in, in Waymart than in another prison. But with that being said, our population went down from uh, 1,500 inmates to uh, to about 800 inmates. So we why really did it go, why, why did COVID cause that decrease? Well, they always say Waymart is a go-home jail, mm -hmm. meaning you, we have programs and you do it unless someone is, uh, you know, severely mentally ill and they might have a life sentence or something. But other than that, most of the guys in Waymart, if they, if they do what they're supposed to do, they leave on parole or, and they get out. You know, I know, uh, I know uh, in a different prison, uh, it was, this was news. I didn't, I didn't learn this from my connections in the DOC. This was something I read on uh, you know uh, publicly on on regular news outlets uh bill cosby his sentence was three to ten years and he's at a different prison closer to philadelphia and his three years are up already and he's he, coming up soon and he's eligible for parole and he was denied parole because he refused to admit to his crime and and do any kind of programming you know he in order to be eligible for any, they have special sex offender programs to, to help rehabilitate these types of offenders. And, and if, Shlima, excuse yeah. me. And so, if somebody, Cosby, so Cosby has never really owned up totally to what, not, he, what he did. Not at all. Forget not about all. totally. He, yeah. he, he, he considers himself innocent. He was framed. And so therefore he's never going to be eligible for Parole. And I knew I know some inmates who have told me they they in, in their heart they believe themselves to be innocent, but they said that they are guilty and everything just so they can get out and get on parole. Oh, yeah. So and, and and that's what's happened in Waymart. So you have less you have less uh, um, inmates. However, it could be now with yeah, with we, don't, we haven't replaced them. You know, generally that happens all the time, but they get replaced. Whereas you know sometimes we get parole violators and things. But now we're not accepting parole violators. We're not accept where, and and we're only really bringing in mentally ill inmates from other prisons. <coughs> that's that if they can't handle because we have the mental health programs. So so it's interesting that this. So on one hand, there's less, but it's a little more complicated 
in terms of the new setup. Now, you talk, uh, you know, I always pined when I was uh, a full-time teacher, and of course I consider myself a full-time teacher as well now, but when I was part of a school system, I always pined and pushed and I hoped that I would join truly the administration. I, I, there were schools where I was officially part of the administration, but uh, salary-wise, I don't think it ever really worked out that way. And, and we know an administrator is really something very special. Um, it's what we really all uh, push for. You know, uh, you start off at a you know a certain level job, and when you're in administration, you, um, you you're going to make more money because in a way you're supposedly the architect and things. Maybe there's a target around you because people are going to look at you and they look at the amount of costs. But administrator, of course, has responsibilities that go along with it. And I think the uh, the administrator's responsibilities of crafting a vision and implementing them and speaking, uh, I think that's that that I think is a um, is a talent, and that's something which I, I I believe I would be capable of. But I think there's one part of an administration that I think is difficult, and that's of course uh, firing or hiring even um, and rejecting uh, candidates and. Um, you know, I know you're a soft fellow in many ways. Um, um, you know, you're probably a soft touch in certain ways. Um, and, and when they talk about hiring and firing, you need ice in your veins sometimes. Um, so considering that you are the main responsible person really for, for hiring uh, uh, new chaplains and people that are going to work under you and also having to fire people. Now, you say that, Everything is reopening. It, it seems like from the way, from the tone in your voice, that it sounds like with the amount of work that you don't, you're not, you're not getting everybody back. You're going to have to hire some new people, right? Well, well, we already, we knew that people were not coming back when we already hired two Protestant chaplains and a Muslim chaplain. And we, we, took them out of a pool of people that we knew already that that that's what made it very okay, well, now you say we it's luck is that you the royal we or there's a group of people that are helping you hire well it, it's 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 me <laughs> who makes the decisions but but i'm not the one paying their you know i'm not uh you know i'm not paying their, their I, I understand so in other words we means it's really you the Commonwealth through Yitzchak Kolokowski, Joe Kolokowski is actually the one who's involved in this. So you really have that responsibility and you're earning, you know, I know you're not a rich man, but this is the part of administration that really is very crucial, which is hiring someone and you have to, right? Now, some of your staff was there before you and some of your staff that you hired them and they've been under you. Uh, some of them sort of, uh, I understand that aren't around after COVID. Like I, did some of them, um, how come they're not back? What happened to some of them? One of them, one of them got a job in a federal prison, full-time job, because the these hires that we're talking about now are part-time contracts. Uh-huh. They're not, they're they're actually not Commonwealth employees, but they're independent contractors doing. I understand ten ninety nines. Yeah, yeah. So. Uh-huh. Uh, and 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 they're limited to only a certain amount of hours. So, so all your chaplains are ten ninety nine people. They're all no, people. We have one full time chaplain. Who's, that's the deacon I talk about sometimes. He's right. the he's full time, and all the others are part time. Ah, uh-huh. so these part time chevra, uh, I see. So it's not like uh, they're getting uh, so many benefits from the. No, they're not getting any benefits. benefits. They're just getting paid straight off salary. In fact, they they need in their taxes to take off. Um, 
you know, all the deductions and things. They're going to have to do that themselves. Right. right. Which, I, which I do with my other position at, at Rockland Psychiatric Center. I'm, I'm I, I know, but we, we both know 1099s are no walk in the park. They, they, they seem like good money, <laughs> but yeah, when tax season comes, yeah, I, actually, really... yeah, I, I, I actually owed this year, uh, uh, state income tax in New York. I never, I never owed that before. But well, well, welcome, welcome to maturity. Welcome to, welcome to middle age. Let me ask you something, Yitzchak. Um, so you, you've had to make some new hires. Some of them went away. Um, uh, some of them got a new job. And um, did, did any, did any decide? I'm getting out of uh, the Northeast. It's COVID time. I'm, you know, I, I think I'm leaving the crowded. Although Pennsylvania is not as crowded as New York and New Jersey, were there some uh, of your uh, uh, people who used to work for you who just uh, flew the coop and decided to move to different climates? One, one. I don't think it was related to COVID. It was related to his children were living uh, down south, I, I believe, in uh, South Carolina, okay. and so he moved to be closer to his family. And he was a long time federal prison chaplain and then what the federal prisons forced retirement at a certain age 57 and wow. so he he had no choice but to leave his job that he loved very much and when i actually i when i hired him to begin with he was a protestant chaplain he was the supervisor at, at the, the federal prison next door in canaan canaan yeah i know you always say that yeah he uh <laughs> And he um, and I called him because we were looking for a Native American chaplain uh, at the time, and I asked him if he if he knew one, and he said no. If I find one, he'd like to know about. But then he's I said, well, we're looking for a Protestant chaplain too. He said, well, I'm available. I said, what do you mean? You have such a great job. You're federal federal chaplain. It's a lot of money. Um, Why is there forced retirement at fifty seven? I don't know. <laughs> it's a strange. It's a strange number. It reminds me yeah. of the the Heinz ketchup, right? The fifty yeah. Heinz has fifty fifty seven varieties. I don't understand yeah. fifty seven. I you know is is it because you know is it because it's such a tough job? They figure that um, you know that you got to get out even early. That you you need so much kishkas that fifty seven. That's an interesting age to, uh, yeah. to to not allow people in. Uh, I, I probably and they don't hire and they don't hire after 36. Wow. It's interesting. The, the only the only exception to that is that if you are in, in, and that's any any job in the uh, any uh, full time job in the federal prison system. But if you are Jewish, Catholic or Muslim, they will hire you after 36. But you still have to retire at 57, no matter what what wow. age you are. That's in the federal prisons. Wow. That's yeah. interesting. Well, so let me I ask have, you so so you so you had to go find some new people. So you said, well let's play a game here over here. Let's say okay. I would be let's say you know I'm coming to you. No, I'd have to now it's not going to be through Zoom. Uh, the the um right are are you interviewing people on Zoom or do they have to come to uh, Waymart to interview with you? I didn't actually interview anybody because I hired people I knew already. All right, let's imagine let's imagine you didn't know anybody and, and they say okay Joe uh, Rabbi Joe, we got you. Need some people. We're we're opening up. Um, yeah, I mean, like when I hired before before COVID, you know. The two okay. So you did hire them. They came to meet you. They drove down to meet you over there, in in Waymart, and they met you in your office. I since it was a contract, it's a ten ninety nine. It it was pretty much sight unseen. It was pretty much you're you're willing to do this because especially Native American 
was very difficult to find anybody at all, let alone someone willing to do it. Um, so we, you know, when there was the one chief who, who said he'll do it, he got the job. That was that was it. It was really not much to it. I see. I'm trying. I, you know, I'm trying to turn this into like you know a, a major job interview. And here's you know here's you you know having to be in that that seat behind the desk, you know, trying to, trying to ask the question, what would you say is your greatest weakness? What would, <laughs> have you ever asked that to a, 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 a person who was, who was coming uh, to interview for a job? What do you think your greatest weakness is? <laughs> uh, they, they asked me that when I applied because it's a full-time position, but yeah. So they asked you that, right? They said, what do you think your greatest weakness is? This is a typical thing administrators ask. What did you say? Uh, I think maybe that I, I you work too hard <laughs> that you no, put too much time in. <laughs> I, you know, I actually interviewed CEOs once. I actually said I actually was the one who was me and the head of the of the uh, of the uh, of hiring for the inmates because inmates have to work. The one, the one who the, we we actually hired, we actually interviewed. CEOs together, and that was quite an interesting experience during uh, the interview process. In other words, they they wanted you to be there for when they're hiring the CEOs. Okay, so to, so take me into it. Let's say I want to. Let's say you know I, I'm I I'd like to get a job there. Okay, well, I've, got, I've got some. So here I am. I you know you've seen my resume. You saw that I did a little bit of um, I did a little bit of security work in a mall. Maybe uh, I've done some. Uh, you know maybe I, I was in the military. Um, you know, and I got the honorable discharge. Uh, then I did some security work, and now I'm. You know, I'd like to apply there. What sort of questions are you going to ask me? Well, they actually give me a. They give me a, a <laughs> bunch of questions to ask, and, and it, that was a while ago. I. I it's hard to remember. But, you know, so basically, you just have to read a script. Uh, you basically just have to read a script. You don't even have to write. You. It's like by the get by a cedar I get that we ask the uh, Magarish to actually. To, to, to read it like an old uh, time commercial, like, you know, um, like uh, Bill and Edna's uh, from <laughs> Dave Thomas and Andrea Martin's Bill and Edna Boyle's uh, <laughs> commercials they used to do on SCTV. Uh, they're just reading from the from the teleprompter. So basically, that's the way you that's the way you have to that's the way you uh, interviewed. You read from the script. You didn't... I read from the script, but I had to, you know, apply that, you know, to to the situation and how I felt that that it that it that these questions applied. And I remember I remember my own interview, they asked me a question, something about how do would I approach an inmate who says he's being bullied for being homosexual, something like that. That was a question that I remember. And okay. I, how did you I, answer? I um, so I think what I what my answer was is that you know they they can't judge you, you know, for, uh, you know, if, if according to their tradition, uh, it's a sin, they, they, it's really not their place to judge you because why are they here to begin with as, as inmates? I think that's what I said, something along those lines. In other words, would he, would he who was without sin among you cast the first stone, sort of, sort of, to paraphrase Jesus, right? <laughs> yeah, some, something like that. And, and I, what I heard was that when I, they, the head of the, of the department of, you know, uh, the, the religion department and the board and the, you know, Department of Corrections statewide, he told the imam, he said he was so happy to hire a rabbi to be a supervisor 
because uh, if it was a Christian, he'd want everyone to be Christian. And if he was a Muslim, he'd want everyone to be Muslim. The rabbi's just going to do his job and, and leave everybody alone. Uh, no proselytizing there. So, so <laughs> you, you remember, you remember, so, so in other words, you never, you never turn on the high intensity lamp uh, on anyone in terms of them, like to, to make them feel uncomfortable in the higher or, uh, or try to. I, I, was, I was probably more uncomfortable <laughs> than, than I've ever made anybody else feel, you know. Yeah. So you never, so you never, there aren't any like gotcha questions that, oh, you know, like questions that you want to see if they, if they harbor some sort of ugly prejudice or something like that. You know, I, I guess today, especially um, as it's the anniversary, the 100th anniversary of the Greenwood massacres in Tulsa, I guess, you know, uh, you think about this and you think about, the, you know, the, uh, you know, if you're hiring uh, somebody who's had, you know, uh, let's say the let's say I was the guy who was a security guy and you know and I did some work you know in the mall and et cetera you know and you, you notice I've got some tattoos and you know you notice somebody tells you that my truck has got the Confederate flag you know uh, uh, flying in the back or something like that are you going to start sus being suspicious and say look you know and try to get some questions out to see if I indicate some racist tendencies. I, I might. It might be, you know, it could it could be something. Uh, is is that something you screen for in terms of, um, and and is that something that uh, you would expect today, especially you know in the abstract? I have to tell you though, anecdotally, and that I have heard from other inmates um, that that prejudice rears its head. That there is a lot of um, there are. You know, despite, you know, the fact that, you know, there's a there's intermingling of all different types of races, there is quite a bit of racism uh, exhibited by the COs in other prisons, maybe not in Waymart. So, I mean, I've, I've heard, I heard, yeah, I remember one inmate claimed to me that, that you know, a Jewish inmate and, and from a very traditional background, and he was, he was claiming that, you know, he felt very scared to for people to know that he was that he was Jewish and so forth and he because of anti-semitism whether he perceived it from the COs or from the other inmates but I I'll be honest I think I think he was I think it was in his mind I don't think it was really there yeah but but again you know you're sort of tap dancing around this but it does sound like that it might be the type of thing that 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 you would try to weed out. On the other hand, you always have this great need, right? Because you know you have a need to find people. So are you sometimes a lot of people don't want to work in this in this environment? You know, it's it's not an environment a lot of people are, so, are excited to, to work so, in. So in some ways, you can't be that picky, right? You can't be that picky, even yeah, you if you're trying. You have to you have to be careful because you're taking people's lives into your hands. You know, it's you have to make sure that you're not high the, the biggest worry is that you're going to hire someone who's corrupt and is going to is going to you know uh be bringing in drugs or cell phones or any other things that are hot uh, commodities so, uh, so it's it's not so much their their hashkafa as we would say in hebrew their attitude towards the world or their blatant or um, deep-seated racism they might not know about. It's more the fact, are they honest people? Are they people that their word means something? Do they take their job seriously? And do they actually fulfill what they're supposed to do? Or are they just looking as this a way to to be corrupt, right? Or to corrupt, to do things in a corrupt way in order to uh, to for their own self-enrichment, 
that's more what you're looking for than um, than the midos tovos. You're looking more for integrity as in terms of doing their job, right? That's true. I mean, I I, I talk to CEOs a lot, and I don't see racism. I see most of them will share my views that are, I guess, politically conservative. Uh, that's the majority of the CEOs uh, are very you know pro-Trump and everything. But I think it's it's more the colorblind ideology, like you talked about Star Trek type of yeah. world, the color, which is which has been rejected by the left today. That's what you know. So I guess some people would consider that to be racist, but that's not okay. You know, well, that's that's not what uh, there was. There was some worry, you know, that that we would, you know, we would be imposed with with these types of things. There, you know, that that's. Let that's, me ask you a question. The fact that you are, and you know, they're 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 happy that you were hired because you're not a proselytizer. But do you find, let's say, that you don't want to hire another Jew because you don't want to be accused of tribal nepotism? Would you ever be in such a situation where, you know, you would specifically, obviously part of your chaplains are ministering to, you know, to people of their own religion with their own knowledge base. But do you ever find yourself saying, look, you know, I can't just let this be the, you know, now that I'm uh, I got an administrative position, I'm going to let my buddies in and, you know, bring them all in here and try to find jobs for them. Do you find yourself sometimes, you know, can, you know, uh, in the sense, um, holding back and saying, look, I, I, I've got to be, you know, sort of like the judge in the Rosenberg trial. Well, I'm not, I'm not, you know, judge we have, yeah, we, we have a rabbi who's, who's our rabbi. I'm, I'm not the rabbi there. We had a rabbi who's been there for 30 some odd years and he didn't lose his job just because I was hired. I understand. So, so uh, if, if he would leave, you know, if he would retire, um, there'd be no reason for me to hire another rabbi because I'm there. I see. Um, but, but we do have a, a you know a 1099 rabbi who, you know, he's a rav of a shul and uh, he's a rav of ma- I think the shul also is not a parnasa for him. I think he's a rav of machshir for a for a, shchita, a base of shchita, That's a very major operation, and that's that's his main parnasa. That's how he supports himself, and then he does these other things on the side. Just to, in other words, basically, what you're saying is, if this person decides, you know, he wants to go to Bnei Brak and learn in Kyle or whatever it is, he wants to stop doing this job, then the Department of Corrections will say, look, you don't hire another rabbi. You're a rabbi, so we'll, we'll have you here. Right, right. So you'll wear two hats, so to speak. You're the chief chaplain plus plus the rabbi. Yeah, I mean, I I already do a you know Jewish program. Well, not now with COVID, but before COVID, I was I was doing, you know, because there was requests for more programs, and since I was there, I would do it. Uh, that was part of my job. Just like it's the just like you know the deacon. It's even though he's full time serving everybody, and he's probably spends more time helping Muslims and Native Americans and that, but when when mass is there he serves as a deacon for the mass and our our, our russian orthodox priest yeah we we only have a handful of orthodox christians but he he serves them brings them their sacraments and things okay uh, so like i tried to i tried to sort of uh, role play with you in terms of this but i see you're not really taking the bait let me ask you another question in terms of the opening i, I would if there was if there was something <laughs> It's okay. Um, let's go on to some other thing. Um, the people, obviously, you're opening up, you're changing things. Here's a pet peeve of mine. I've spoken about it on my um, 
I think I, I speak about almost everything on 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 my platform. So, you know, if somebody wants to find out about me, there's 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 quite a bit. You should tell your wife to listen. To, I guess your wife has listened to other shows too, so she knows she knows about my accurate personality. But but one of the things that one of my pet peeves is is that if you haven't seen a person since COVID, you know, take a minute there to say how are things, what's going on. People hadn't seen you in a long time, and you've now seen some people you haven't seen in a while. Did you stop and talk with them? Was there a sense of we made it? We made it through. Was there a did you did you engage in more than just hello? How are you? Do you have any needs? Was there a certain sense of camaraderie that that we've been through this uh, magefa together? We've been through this pandemic. Did you did you did you spend time talking with people a little bit? Probably not as much as I should. Did any of them call out to you and say, hey, Joe, Rabbi Joe, I haven't seen you in such a long time. It's so great to see you. Nobody did that? You know, my other chaplains who left have kept in touch, and we talk about that. And then, uh, yeah, we're, we're all excited to be back. And The inmates and- themselves aren't necessarily, I mean, I know many of them have mental um issues and many of them i guess are you know they, they they have self um you know self-esteem issues but you know i would assume that some of them are happy at least to see uh, oh the certainly this is this is this is the thing they're looking forward to you know to be able to go back and 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 go do the things that they haven't been able to do for a year you know i mean can you imagine you know like i think with the native americans they have this smudging ceremony that to cleanse and, and, and be like me, you know, if I couldn't go to the mikvah for a year, you know, and then finally, I mean, I remember when, when I was a rub in Richmond and I had issues with the, with the kahila there and they, they weren't so excited about me going to the mikvah there anymore and things in the shul where I ha- was no longer serving as a rub. Uh, and, and the fact that I couldn't go to the mikvah and I would like go to the, to the James river or whatever, uh, to, <laughs> to, <laughs> And uh, you know these. So types you, of things. so in other words, so in other words, many of the. Um, I guess what you're trying to say is that in the varied the religious uh, populations in the prison, there's various rituals and various actions that have been clamped down during COVID, and they're going now going to be able to practice them. You know, the not being able to to make confession, the same thing because we haven't had a priest. Mm-hmm. And I even I asked the the Russian Orthodox priest. I said, could the Catholics? offer confession to you because i know according to catholic church they can if they can't attend mass at a catholic church they can go to a russian orthodox church like bidyevit and uh, he said well he's not able to absolve someone who's not orthodox um so so the answer was pretty much no like he could listen to their confession but he couldn't he, he couldn't, he give, couldn't give them a kapara he could give him yeah. it could be it could be a chaywik I and mean, he could be a shriach to be moister it perhaps to the um to the Catholic priest who could give yeah, it. Who could either, you know, You're not even I, sure if you could be a shuyach to be makabalit. Uh, yeah. I, I hear, I hear. But, but definitely there is a sense of, you know, as, as a sense of relief and a sense of change that's going to happen. It makes sense. You know, I, I'm thinking, you know, perhaps this idea of bifurcating, or I, I guess it's quadfurcating, I don't know, having all the four, the four zones, I guess it makes sense really, uh, you know, even in a national scale. Uh, the thing should be more spread out. There shouldn't be. There should be a situation where we don't have these. You know, when the next the big, you know, uh, the next microbe uh, shows up, you know, we should be able to close down things without 
uh, you know, w without having the mass spread. And I, I think that, again, as, we, as I spoke about last week, the prison population, you can do things you can't do in the regular population. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's, you don't give me much to work with here, but I was going to suggest in terms of, I, I, you know, we talk about hiring and firing, and I mentioned how it's the one thing I think administrators loathe, you know, to have to actually uh, I, 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 know if you, I told you, I think I mentioned before a TV show that's on Tovito. It's a from show called uh, Kosher Cop. And so uh, there's a fellow, Chaim Hershkowitz, he's, he calls himself Cholent Face. That's his, I guess, his stage name. And he had, a, he said that the HR department stands for happiness and rage. Because <laughs> if you, uh, if, when, when you get hired, it's, it's, it's happiness you get fired it's rage so that's uh right so i i so i wanted to suggest a film i can't suggest that i can't recommend the whole film but the idea to me since i i have been fired so many times so it really spoke <laughs> it spoke to me um the george clooney vehicle called um i think it's called uh, in the air or up in the air uh with george clooney where um george clooney job is to fire people. In other words, he really, he is a, a, a contractor who comes in uh, to present the person they're firing with their um, dismissal package and with their, you know, with their dispensation or whatever it is, their severance. And he makes, he's, he doesn't know, he just reads up about the company and no one has ever seen him before. And the person who is, who is working uh, for years, perhaps the company now meets this guy, George Clooney, a very handsome fellow who's very suave, and he explains to them how they're fired. And the film starts with a collage of, or a montage, or actually a collage of, of various of Clooney firing people and their reactions to it. And it's really very, very, yeah, very true to life as someone who's been there, and also what you would expect. And it also really gives the point that, that no one wants to go through that sticky, difficult thing of firing. They actually hire some outside source. And that's why he's up in the air going from place to place. He's, he barely has a life of his own. And he, he he's going from city to city, being involved in firing people. And, um, you know, and it, it shows that in order to really, you need that distance uh, to be able to do that. And also to be able to mouth those words that, that although you, it's not working out here, there is a doorway that's going to open up somewhere. And everybody needs to hear that in some way, despite how difficult that is. And to be able to hear that from someone who you don't know, in other words, if it's your boss that you've been working with or the HR guy that you that, that hired you, to then hear how it's not working out. I mean, look, I've cried in front of, uh, I, I've cried a couple of times for jobs. And oh, believe, and, and believe yelled me. And screamed also. <laughs> you know, it's, it's yeah. And I've, I've thrown back in the face to the person as well. It's, it's very difficult for that person there. And I've, I've actually told, I said, you know, I said, you're going to be sitting on the other side of this one day and you're going to know what it feels like. Uh, I told one, one of the persons. Um, and um, the truth is he tried, you know, I met him years later, you know, and he wanted to get a, a selfie with me and hug me. Um, yeah, so I sort of, you know, I went, I went along with it, but believe me. <laughs> Yeah, I was just learning Hilchas Yom Kippurim about being Michael people. It's it's very tough, believe me. It's a very tough thing. And um, so, in the air, I think is, is 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 a film that really you know deals with you know what it means to you know to 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 be hired 
and to be put down and, 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 and what it has to go through and the difficulty of that. Um, I guess as I'm thinking Manion Lanyon, this is a film which, which I saw when I was very, very young. Um, and uh, it starred such a puckish character, uh, Robert Morse. And um, he, I think he, I think he actually um, was the, uh, invented the role or he originated the role on Broadway uh, and how to succeed in business without really trying. And uh, I don't know if you've ever seen it before, but it, it should be up your alley. It's a musical about uh, a boy who starts off in the um, stockroom and then is able somehow to grow and uh, eventually reach such heights that he becomes like, you know, the top of the company. Um, and uh, Rudy Valley is in it and uh, a whole a great little cast. Uh, it's got um, Michelle Lee, I believe, is the, uh, the love interest. Uh, and it's got the song, I'm sure, you, The Brotherhood of Man. It's the Benevolent Brotherhood of Man. You've never heard of that song before, Yitzchuk? Sounds familiar. Yeah. Anyway, it was one of these, uh, you know, these early 60s, late 50s uh, Broadway musicals that that uh, Fred Ebb, I think, uh, translated on in, in, into film. But it really gave me this sense. I probably saw the movie, I guess, when I was about seven or eight or nine. Uh, but it gave me the sense of what the corporate life was like. What does it mean to get a job? What does it mean to push, to get ahead, uh, to hire? Um, I've talked already. We, we've I've mentioned the apartment before. This is more like a little, yeah. You know, I guess this is a little more light-hearted fare about what it takes uh, to get ahead in in a sort of a business type of situation like that. Right. Yeah. So if I if I. Uh, uh, stirred anything? If I if I if I if I loosen some of the earth uh, around you for you to think about a a, a a a film that you think also fits into the genre of hiring and firing. I remember a movie. It's been a long time since I've seen it. I believe it's from the thirties, maybe thirty nine, called Earthworm Tractors with Joe E. Brown, who was a popular comedian who was famous. Sure. For a big sure. smile that, that sure. like uh, for years like, he was the yeah for years he was actually the number one box office draw if you could believe that yeah. yeah and and so in this movie earthworm tractors he's he presents himself somewhat like a, a natural born salesman and but he's hired and fired and because really because he's obviously he, joey brown was famous in his in his roles like the you know for talking much more than he could actually do right um yeah and uh, bragging that he could do all these sales. And it turns out that his, I guess his goofiness gets him fired, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and it's a short movie, but he, it's a funny, you know, just uh, not, not I, nothing major, but it's a, a funny type of little movie. I, that, not exactly screwball, but a slapstick romantic comedy, nonetheless. Yeah, somewhere between screwball and slapstick. But I, I guess, but I guess it does have a certain message about trying and, 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 persistence even yeah. after you're fired right even after you're fired to sort of like you know dust yourself off and being confident you know and not and i think that's a big thing is that a lot of people once they once they fail they lose their confidence and you you really have to learn from your mistakes rather than give up you know that's that that's uh that, that's something i've seen in my life you know i've even with my wedding ministry which Baruch hashem is much more successful uh, than it was before. I'm I'm very happy with with that. As a yeah, of course, nobody's going to fire you from that. <laughs> You're it's a one man show, right? It's your yeah, it's your show. 
but I've had, you know, I've made mistakes, got bad reviews, and that's that's still on the website. You know, the the like two, you know, I, I might have, you know, uh, two hundred and fifty five star reviews, and then two uh, yeah. two one star reviews, and so my. Yeah, you're right. My, you're right. In other words, today everybody is a everyone is an administrator in a certain sense, right? Yeah, my, <laughs> everybody has a, anyone who has a, anyone who has access to a phone can can yeah, give you a yeah, bad review on Yelp. My reviews there are, you know, 4.9 instead of a straight, you know, five, you know, because uh-huh. there's two bad ones that, uh, and, and, and those mistakes are, are, you know, even, you know, in Rabanus, I've really, you know, I, I, I haven't really been much liach in Rabanus, and sometimes it was just because the, the shuls were really, there was really nowhere for them. It would have been a Herculean effort to have them succeed at all. You know, I understand. Uh, Listen, I've been there myself, so I understand what that is. But is yeah, you're right. Today, I think you're making a good point, Yitzchak. Is that um, is that today? It's almost like you have to be so careful because of social media and because of things like that. Uh, you never know when the jig might be up. True, you might not be fired, but you still might not get any calls <laughs> because. But if you if but if you keep being persistent, you'll get you'll get past that. It's it, it, it's not. It, it ain't over till it's over, you know, like uh, Yogi Berra used to say, and, and it's true. It, we we might think, oh, you know, I, I, I you know, I, I fouled everything up, and and you know, really, there's there's no future for me in this, uh, in this type of a gig economy, and this, and uh, it's on my, it's a stain on my permanent record. But in the end, you 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 learn from your mistakes, and I often mention, you know, potential. Uh, potential clients I, I'll, I'll tell them that i said you know you might see these these negative uh things in my uh in, in my past reviews but that just means i've i've learned and i've grown lesson. that's right yeah. which is which which i guess that's what you want to hear from uh, i guess the next time you interview somebody and you want to hear the person own up to his mistakes and say how he's grown i'm gonna throw one other film in that that was suggested i think by someone who gets fired uh, and then really finds himself in a different uh, in a different job, and uh, a job that he gets so much pleasure from, and that's Michael Keaton um, in Mr. Mom, and um, it's got the wonderful Terry Gar in it. Um, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, um, I'm not sure if Dabney Coleman is in that, um, but it's a, definitely a Dabney Coleman like character is the is somehow uh, the boss there. Um, that has his sights on, uh, I think it might even be Dabney Coleman. I'm not 100% sure. But Michael Keaton is in it. And it's really about a guy who was fired. And now he becomes, uh, he takes care of the kids. And of course, it starts off as, you know, he doesn't know what he's doing. But he ends up actually doing a great job. And really being able to, and, and his wife is able to uh, find the position. So you really have a, uh, you know, it's one of these uh, you know, switch positions. It also deals with the sense of betrayal that he felt uh, by, uh, you know, the the people who, um, who who got him fired, because I think he was like, I, th- I, I he gets thrown under the bus by. Um, it gets thrown under the bus by uh, by this great. I, I was one of Jeffrey Tambor's, I think, uh, first big Hollywood movie roles, and of course he's uh, he's become very famous. Uh, not only is playing. <laughs> <laughs> Gary Shandling's sidekick in the Larry Sanders show. Um, Hank. Hi, <laughs> oh, Hank. But, he, but in this film, he actually plays the, the, the you know, the, the scuzzball 
who uh, who gets Michael Keaton fired. Um, and Michael Keaton, instead of holding the grudge, and you know, um, he actually overcomes, uh, you know, I guess his his worst instincts, and actually relishes the new position that he's in, and uh, comes to accept what's going on with his wife's success and her job. So again, I think there's, uh, you know, it's it's very difficult when you're put into that situation of uh, having to to deal with that. And as as you know, I'm sure even me mentioning sitting on the other side of the desk can probably bring up to you it's like some of that pain but look where you are you know what i'm saying look i i think you're much better off i would say um look we i wouldn't have the show i mean what, what what would i call the show if you were still the rabbi in richmond what would i call it uh to dixie what would i call it whistling dixie <laughs> right i couldn't call it right what could i call it um so it's it it, it you know it, the things opens up and I think that uh, yeah, hopefully, uh, as 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 we move beyond here, you'll find uh, you'll find that you, you've really found yourself in a place that uh, that that really speaks to your talents. And I guess that's really part of what the thing is 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 to realize that sometimes we're moving chess pieces around and we're just you know agents of God to bring people to the place that they need to be. And and hopefully we can do that with with a little bit of respect and some sympathy and understanding. Um, but even if they, unfortunately administrators don't always uh, come uh, hardwired that way to be able to do that, that's sometimes what gets them to be administrators is their ability to be tough and to. Yeah, I mean, uh, I'll tell you, you know, this isn't about hiring or firing. This is a, a separate issue. But you know, someone is requesting a, a diet, a kosher diet, and they and they give me a whole list of. Oh, uh, you know, what, what does it mean kosher? He, you don't, uh, we don't eat red meat and all that. I was like, this is ridiculous. I'm not, I'm not going to give this guy. So what I tr- would try to do is just convince him, well, you know, this diet is, it's, it's just peanut butter. And, you know, like we discussed before what the diet is, you really don't want it instead of uh, denying him and opening myself up to a, a lawsuit possibly or, or a grievance because I denied him this diet. I'd rather just try to convince him you you really don't want it, and I think that's kind of how I would probably handle things, you know, with uh, try to instead of uh, you know firing and this other, or not hiring or like you know is this really what you want, you know? <laughs> that's kind of probably how I make it their decision. Uh, right. In other words, part of what you need to do is is make the person understand himself that this is not the right place for them and make them realize how, how they could, that real self-fulfillment comes from a place that, that really appreciates you and takes the best use. makes the best use of what you can do. Um, I can tell you that uh, I was uh, in one position where the person who was firing me said, look, he says, you know, you know, you're, you're a Rolls Royce. We just needed a Yugo. <laughs> uh didn't make me feel much better but okay it's great it's, it's great it's great being it's it's great being called it's great it's great being called the rolls royce as you're asked to uh <laughs> hit the pedal of the metal and get at it down I, I remember i remember someone telling me they they had they had no work they were they they had nothing to put food on the table so they they went to apply at, at starbucks to be a, or at dunkin donuts they wound up working at Starbucks in the end, but they were they they applied in Dunkin' Donuts and they said, you know, I actually uh, in in your neighborhood in Elizabeth, 
and they yeah. said uh, and they said we can't hire you because you're you're too you're overqualified you you know you have a degree or a musician is that we can't we can't hire you like well that's not going to help me you know pay my bills i need i need something you know i'm not i'm not getting uh... but i think there you know despite the fact that when i heard it it was difficult there is something about the fact that the the and and again let's just you know give you a little bit of advice which when you hire somebody who's overqualified they get frustrated they get frustrated because they realize that even the person they're speaking to probably knows uh, less than they do and Although they start the job with the sense I've got to put food on the table, what they're looking for is two, three months down the road, and they're going to see the type of frustration that that that, that is going to well up. And- I mean, I, I was ta- I was talking to I was on a Besden for. A- Thanks for joining us for another episode from the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a single episode. 